Do you remember when you were a kid? You were a kid and play was free. You could just do whatever you wanted to do, make up whatever you wanted to make up. And as long as it was in the confines of your idea of what the imagination was allowed to hold at that moment, it was free and easy to do. You could do whatever you wanted to do. I remember I had this kind of superhero guy that I'd created in my mind, and um, he had a finger that would just point the right direction <laughs> to go anytime that you needed to go some direction for something. It, it seemed like a great superpower to me. I'd just kind of mix my finger around and then I'd go that way. And uh, I loved that, but my friends didn't necessarily love that. But that was ultimately play, you know, like we're taking on roles, we're doing things, we're all neighborhood superheroes and who knows what we what evil we were fighting, but we were neighborhood superheroes. Um, but they, <laughs> my comrades, my friends, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, my friends didn't like that particular superpower and they nixed it like, you can't do that. This is a rule now. You can't use that, that finger trick anymore. Okay. <laughs> well... This is what LARPing is actually, right? LARPing is a set of rules put around play. And now that we're adults, we get to play in a more formal way. We get to play in a way that we're looking for the edges. We're looking for the imaginative corners that allow us to be something we're not or do something we haven't done. And uh, we, of course we do that in role-playing games, but LARPing takes it to a whole new level. And you can just actually get up and embody your character and play for a change, um, and, and be whatever you want to be within a certain constriction of rules, and that's that's kind of a cool thing. Um, so today, we're going to start exploring that particular genre of game by talking to Joy Martin of Drowning Moon Studios, who has written a ton of freeform LARPs, and possibly even some boffer LARPs, but if you don't know what those terms mean, uh, we'll get into it in, in the show here. So... Uh, this is an interesting conversation. It's good to learn more about LARPs, and and uh, maybe as we move on in the future, we can find the the therapeutic edges of LARPing. But I, I think we can see some of those here in this particular podcast. So this is myself, Brian, and Joy Martin talking about LARPing and her Drowning Moon Studios LARPs that she's created. So check it out. Welcome to Rolling for Change, a podcast about the transformational nature of gaming in all of its various forms. My name is Woody Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Brian Peace. Hey-ho! Hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Had to rush back home to record this because I had a student who had to um, stay after today. He doesn't have internet at home, so... I let him use Chromebooks at my, in my classroom, and he sat there until about uh, 5.30. <laughs> what a kind teacher. Oh, I'm so sweet. Yes, you are. Hey, you know what? We've got a, a guest with us today, and I'm, I'm really excited about having her on board today. Her name is Joy Martin, and uh, I just discovered her over the weekend, and she has been so quickly responsive that here she is. <laughs> Hi, Joy. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, I uh, I was just reading Twitter, 
as you do once in a while, seeing things. And somebody threw up uh, the uh, mixtape set of LARPs, and I immediately went to look at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And uh, then I immediately contacted you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So Joy has created uh, multiple LARPs, and we haven't talked about LARPs on the show before. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Joy, and let you talk about what is a LARP and what are all these different definitions because I'm I'm a little bit of a novice in terms of LARPs. I know some people who LARP. I've played Vampire the Masquerade. That's my experience. <laughs> uh, and I imagine that some of my listeners have never LARPed, so have no idea what, what this is all about. Well, um, LARP isn't an acronym. It stands for uh, Live Action Role Playing. And uh, so your experience being with vampire LARPing, that's usually called uh, a parlor LARP or theater LARP. Um, There are a lot of different kinds of them. Um, There's, I think what people are most familiar with, if they've seen like on movies or TV, what's usually most often represented is called buffer LARPing. And that's um, usually live action role playing that's done with simulated combat. And those are the like uh, padded weapons that I'm sure people have seen pictures of. Mm-hmm. Um, those tend to be more um, more typical of like fantasy style games, like you know people who play games kind of like Middle Earth type things. Then there's things like the vampire LARPing, which are, are as I said, more like parlor theater style. And those are um, the rule systems that come with those tend to be more um, skill based or um, social based. And then there's something that's called freeform, and uh, that's kind of where there are less rules and it's more consent based where it's uh the people who are playing the games their characters they negotiate things that they want to happen between the characters and that's like a very vague overview of the different styles yeah (laughs) there's also things that are very very abstract that i'm probably not going to get into too much because you don't come in contact with them as much in the u.s okay is is a mega game does that constitute as a larp um, it sometimes can, um, but that's usually because mega games have been kind of slowly been being more incorporated into live action games. Mega games are usually um, things that involve maps and territories, and then sometimes people will role play out the owner of the territory on the map. Like, say they're representing a country or a faction, then sometimes they'll act as like the leader of that faction, but they tend to be more strategy based. Um, and okay. it started out as part of like the war gaming culture and kind of developed from there. But they're incorporating a lot more role playing now. So then you'll see mega games and LARPs merging a little bit more now. It used to not be like that, but I like the direction it's been going lately. It's pretty cool. Yeah, think diplomacy mm-hmm. and then back away slowly. <laughs> no, diplomacy was the back away slowly, not the rest. Diplomacy we're, was awful. We're going to have to start making diplomacy our new monopoly. Why not both? <laughs> All right. Everybody drink when they hear diplomacy or monopoly from now on. <laughs> so you should have one, two, three, four drinks now. Woo! <laughs> now that you're feeling good, <laughs> we're going to continue to talk about LARPs. Um, so why do this, Joy? It, it seems so bizarre and abstract from the normal gaming world that's out there. And I, I know I'm speaking in kind of a, a devil's advocate sort of position, but uh, just uh, I, know, I know some people wouldn't feel too comfortable with the idea. Well, it's kind of a natural progression from tabletop role-playing games. Like 
if you like sitting around playing your D&D character, the next logical step is why not get up from the table and act it out? And that's kind of where LARPs came from, where people had these campaigns that they were playing their characters and they went, well, why don't we just go out and play these characters and act out the things that they're going to be doing instead of sitting at a table and describing them? And then once that happened, people went, well, why not do other things like sci-fi games or Western games or, um, you know, vampire games? You know, why, why does fantasy have to be the only genre that's out there? And it kind of blossomed from there. So there are all sorts of games now. There are like real world style games where you're playing like families. There are games that are completely out of any type of concept you could think of, like, let's play artists visiting a museum and critiquing each other's art. Let's play abstract concepts inside someone's head. I mean, it's it's like anything you can think of exists at this point. And it's amazing, actually. You know, I was looking at what you did, and I kept thinking, wow, we've really come to a point where, like, we, we played as children, and we had no rules, and we didn't have, you know, there was no clear boundaries to what we were doing. Now we get to adulthood, and now we play with rules, and we play with ideas in a way that we've never been able to play with them before. And if you're the right sort of creative, as I think you are, uh, <laughs> you, you can just find a way to take something and create something from nothing, which is amazing to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it because, you know, I went to, as soon as I saw a mixtape, I went to it and, and bought it and started reading about it. And for those listeners who don't know where this is at, if you go to Drowning Moon Studios, or actually just go to Drive Through RPG and look for Joy Martin, and you'll find Mixtape, um, which is a collection of LARPs that are all kind of freeform LARPs. I, I think that's I think I'm right there. They're all freeform mm -hmm. LARPs. They're all freeform. They have uh, some rules that are very very. Some of them are consent-based systems, and then some of them have fairly minimal rules for things like arbitration if you're going to get in conflict with another character or an NPC in the game. But they're, by, by and large, majority freeform. What is consent-based? Consent-based is when um, you are playing a game with other players and you want to do something to their character but you need to get their permission first. Let's say you want to, you're in a conflict with them and you want to have your character either attack them or imprison them or something like that. Something you want to do that has to get their that person's consent because it's going to impact their character in a meaningful way. So let's say my character wanted to restrain your character so they couldn't leave the room. You then approach the other person and you go have a quick aside to them and you say, my character would like to restrain your character. Is that okay? That's a consent-based system. And usually the other person is going to agree to this because it's going to create more drama. It's going to be more interesting. Mm -hmm. It takes and like a second. And usually they go, okay, and then you restrain them, and then you act out what happens next. However, if you're someone like me, um, and they literally want to put their arms around you and restrain your arms, and for me, that's one of those weird things that makes me kind of lose a little bit of control of my brain and freak out a little bit, I might say, yeah. uh, I will do this so long as you don't actually try to restrain me. Mm -hmm. So it's all it's all about trying to find other people's um, trigger points and not engaging them, I'm assuming. Right. yeah. Yes, and you can also say no 
it's absolutely up to you whether you want to be restrained or not. So if you're not comfortable with that, you can say no, and the other person goes, okay, and you carry on with the scene. That's fascinating to me, the whole idea of consent-based. I mean, I, I guess people are entering into this co- transaction in the game expecting those kind of situations. But I can imagine situations could get really awkward, difficult, if we didn't have that consent-based system. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually makes me really happy that you have uh, almost like safe words or the ability to kind of say, oh, no, this is going a little bit too far. And I, I think it'd be better for myself and probably even my character if you didn't do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. and there are also safety tools that are included with each of the games. or Actually, I think they... No, they're in each of the games in this collection. I have another group collection where it's at the very beginning for all of them. But they're all they're things like, you know, caution, which will tell you, hey, you're approach, approaching an area me as a player is not comfortable with, so maybe back away from it. And things like, um, I have a mechanic called I Need to Get Some Air, which is... I need to leave the scene right now. Please don't, you know, follow me or try to prevent me from doing it. It's basically just let me get out of here so I can go somewhere where I'm not being um, overwhelmed by what's currently happening as a player, not as the character. Mm-hmm. I'm How sorry. often does it happen? Um, it really depends. Like, personally, in a lot of the games I've played, I don't see them pop up all that often. But when they do, they're necessary. Okay. Because uh, a lot of the games that I play tend not to be, there are some situations that will get very intense, but when they do, people tend to know when to back off because people will throw up things like, you know, the caution signal or there's something else that's called the OK check-in, which is very common in a lot of the um, freeform LARPing, which is you flash uh, an OK sign or a thumbs up sign to another player in an intense scene just to visually check in to make sure that they're still OK with the intensity in the scene. And if they don't flash you a thumbs up back or if they flash you a thumbs down, you like dial down and or stop the scene and say, hey, is this too intense for you? Do we need to stop this? If they flash the thumbs up scene, you just keep going. So how did you get into this? Where does... Where does your history start with LARPing, and, and what motivated you to start writing a LARP a month? <laughs> um, I started back in uh, 1996, 96 or 97, I believe, um, and I went to a boffer LARP up in Connecticut, um, and I started as a player, which is how a lot of people that get started writing and running these games do. They go to a game, and they play it because... You know, it sounds interesting because they've been playing tabletop games Mm -hmm. and they, again, think, well, you know, the natural progression is if I'm going to play my character sitting around the table, why don't I go play it bigger? Why don't I step away from the table and and bring it into real life and try to play it as part of a campaign that doesn't rely on rolling dice, that actually uses my body where I get to dress up as the character and get to act out what they're doing. And after just playing, you know, a couple of seasons uh, part, as part of the Spoffer LARP, I started volunteering with the game where I would do things like play something called an on-player character, which I'm sure if you're familiar with tabletop, you know what an NPC is. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I started NPCing for the game, then I started submitting my own ideas for plot lines and modules and things like that. And once you start doing that, you're just kind of hooked at that point as a writer. So... I started creating my own games shortly after I started submitting things to other games as um, here I'm going to be part of your game staff and I'm going to submit 
you know, modules and, and characters and plot lines. And then I was just like, well, why don't I just write my own game? And then I did. And I kind of never stopped since then. <laughs> so people are, are playing your games now. Mm -hmm. They are. Um, I had ran, I ran a couple of, you know, longer campaigns and I ran a couple of individual events and um, eventually as I got older and um, um, my, I have several like chronic illnesses and disabilities as I got older and these disabilities started affecting my body more, it got harder for me to be the one that stepped into the physical space and ran the games because I didn't have the um, capability to do that anymore. So I decided, well, why don't I publish what I have been writing and send it out into the world and then other people can run my games and I won't have to be the one that's always putting them on. And that seemed to work really well <laughs> when I did that. So once I started publishing them, then other people who were interested in the type of games I was writing started buying them and picking them up and then running them in other places like at conventions or um, there's a, a place up in, um, I think he's in Ralph. Raleigh, North Carolina. There's um, a place called LARP Shack up there where they run all sorts of like short freeform games and they run a couple of my games. Um, just, you know, conventions are really popular. Sometimes people run them at their houses. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't physically do the, the labor of actually putting the games on myself after a few years and the natural progression for me for that was just start writing them. I had already written some of them down, but start writing all of them down and publishing them and putting them out into the world and let other people do the running of them instead of trying to keep it all to myself and trying to do it all myself. Yeah, at some point you kind of have to delegate responsibility or find some easier way of running things. The whole work smarter, not harder thing. Mm-hmm. So you got really excited by this this genre of play and you wanted to be involved in some way and it, it, it became physically not possible for you to do the things you wanted to do in it, if I'm hearing you correctly. And so you said, well, I'm going to write these. and people Exactly. Can, people, I can still participate in this world even though I'm not able to participate in as much as I want to. That's exactly what happened. And so do you get to LARP any now? Um, I do, but not in the same way that I used to be able to. Um, I can't really do buffer games anymore, which is kind of where I started. Uh -huh. um, I just am not, most of them are run at things like state parks and the physical ability that you need to do these sorts of games is very, very difficult, for, at least because they're usually weekend long games and mm -hmm. they require, you know, walking around in the woods a lot of times. And even when you're staying at um, a campsite on a state park, even the ones that have, you know, um, cabins you still have to be able to walk to and from places around the game site and that takes a really bad physical toll on my body so i can't do those as often as i used to okay um what i am mostly doing now are things like you know convention games where i can go to a con like um, metatopia or dragon con or um, gen con and participate in individual games at the conventions because i'm usually just going and playing in a uh, conference room or something which is um, called a blockbuster game. I'm not sure if you've heard of these. These are the really big fancy ones that I know there was like a video going around of like the wizard school ones for a while. Um, I've been doing a lot of cyberpunk ones lately. There's a, a company called Sinking Ship Productions that does cyberpunk LARPs in New York and I've been doing theirs a lot. And these are, you 
play your character, but you go to places like they're going to have this game in a bar that they have rented out for the evening, or they're going to have this game um, in different areas over the city and you can show up, but you can take an Uber there because <laughs> you're not, you know, walking across a campsite, that sort yeah. of thing. They're definitely more expensive. So um, there's kind of a barrier to entry in that regard for these, but there are some that are on the lower price end. And those I think are probably better for people who can't afford, you know, like a 300 or $400 ticket for something like that. Yeah. This would seem like, you know, as as a non-LARPer looking into what LARP is, it would seem like it really puts you on the spot, like it trying to be somebody else. And it's it's one thing to do it at a table where you're trying to role play your character. And now you're trying to to bring a physical manifestation to your character. And that that seems doubly frightening to me as uh, as, uh, you know. I don't know. It seems like you're really putting yourself on the line sometimes. I mean, you kind of can see it that way, but also most of these games are somewhat large, or at least large in that you're not the only one who is there. So the spotlight's not always on you. Like the smallest game... Now, granted, I also have written games for like two people. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) But most of the time, you're you're going to be in a group of at least like seven or eight people, so you you don't necessarily have to perform because there's going to be at least like six other people there with you who are going to be able to like back you up or do their own thing or who are feeling exactly the same way. And you know they're they're kind of thinking the same thing. It's like it, no one's really going to judge you especially if they're new to the hobby as well. They're probably feeling the same way. And a lot of the times, especially when you're doing a group dynamic and something like a LARP, they're looking for, you know, things that they can say or things that you can say that they can build upon. So if you say something and they think, oh, well, that's interesting, I'm gonna take it and run with it and then you can listen to things they say and you can take their suggestions and run with those as well. It's very collaborative, kind of like, you know, improv theater. In fact, a lot like improv theater. I was going to ask what the difference is in improv theater and this. It just seems like the stretch of area and the fact that you're not really working necessarily for the punchline. Yeah, and also in improv theater, you're typically working for an audience and you are essentially your own audience. Yep, you're exactly your own audience. I mean, I remember the first few times I LARPed, the scariest thing was coming from a role-playing game perspective. You're used to dropping out of character at the drop of a hat and saying, my character does this, my character does that, and occasionally taking on the voice of the character. Whereas in a LARP, you're taking on the voice of your character. There's very little description of what your character's doing because you're typically acting it out. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first time you go into that, it's like, oh, God, what am I supposed to do? I'm used to describing everything I do and how much am, how am I going to do that now? And then you're in it for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then you start loosening up and you just start having fun, basically playing heroes and villains in the woods or wherever yep. you happen to be. And nobody's going to tell if you be able to tell if you're quote unquote doing it wrong because nobody knows how you're supposed to do it in the first place. You're the one to get, who gets to decide that. <laughs> That's a little freeing. 
Yeah, not once have I ever had someone say, no, you're not supposed to do it like that. Unless they unless it was a boffer LARP and they were saying, okay, now you got to take a knee because of this. <laughs> um, and that's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm right there with you, Joy. I used to love boffer LARPs. I played vampire. And now that I'm a little older, I ha I've had a degenerative knee condition most of my life. And mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, it's gotten worse. And I was invited to a boffer LARP and I thought, I haven't done this in a long time. And I had gone to Kennesaw State and they had people just practicing boffer swords. And so we were just, you know, play fighting, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing serious. Then I went to the actual LARP and I had to take a knee because someone took my leg. Mm -hmm. And then my brain kicked in and said, how am I supposed to get down on my knee? Right. This is so I, I explained it to him. I said, stop. I pa paused the game. I said, all right, I've got it. You just got to give me a minute. I want to get down on my knee. It's going to take me a minute. Please do not take any pot shots while I'm going. And they're like, no, no, take your time, man. And I got on my knee and took a deep breath because it hurt for a minute. And I said, OK, game on. And that was the last <laughs> time I LARPed because after that, after that day, I was hurting quite a bit. Um, yeah. I, I was out of spoons. <laughs> <laughs> this is such an amazing hobby and it, it you know just gaming as a whole is an amazing hobby but now we've we've taken it to a physical level um and i'm i'm hearing you know the potentials for well let me first ask this joy what's your background how do you are do you have a drama background do you have a psychology background what 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 brings you to this particular table um i so have to speak well a couple of different things. Um, I worked in professional theater for a little while, but I was a tech person, so I did mostly costuming. Okay. Um, but I also have an English and writing background, so that's probably where the how I went into the let's write these games <laughs> came okay. from. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I got into role playing games as a teenager, and I just kind of never lost my my desire to do them. And I liked the costuming aspect of LARPing, and I liked the um, the behind-the-scenes aspects, and I suspect all of that kind of fed into it was because I had a theater tech background and because I liked being behind the scenes more than I liked being on stage and because I liked writing things, it all kind of fed into let's run games and write games. I always, I mean, like, I like playing, but I always liked running games more than I liked playing them because I liked building the world that other people could play in. Okay. And I liked being the one that gave them this skeleton of a of a background and a, a place that they could actually that players could play out their dramas on. So that's kind of what it is when you're a game writer. You're basically just giving them here's a world that I built, and then the players are the ones that are providing the actual play you know they're providing the the narration and i always like being able to do that for them in your time okay so th there's like three levels i wanted to talk about in relation to your your relationship with larps basically and the first is so as a creator what has it been like to write these larps for you what like have there been We'll call them transformational moments or rolling for change moments. Have there been moments in your your writing and creativity of, of LARPs that have made changes in you as a person? Um, there definitely have been quite a few. Let me see if I can think of something that's going to be a lot more definitive than, you know, like very... I mean, some of them are very small, quiet moments, but... 
one of them was definitely when um, I ran a a game at MomoCon, I think about four years back, that was uh, Magical Girl inspired. And it okay. was based on like, you know, all of the shonen anime that people have seen and all the Magical Girl anime and a little bit of um, Japanese trading card games. And that one had a little bit more mechanics. It wasn't as freeform. It was more like a parlor LARP. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had... Um, it was written so that um, children could play. And I think we made the cutoff about like 10 or 11 years old because we wanted kids to be able to actually like understand the rules and, and not get confused. So it was like, you know, preteens and then up. And okay. I had a group of kids that were, um, I think the youngest was 12. And then the oldest was around like maybe 14 or 15. And um, at the end of the game, one of the the players, one of the girls that had been playing, she ended up being um, effectively crowned as like the new queen magical girl because she had um, mediated a conflict between the two major forces in the game. One of them was supposed to be the bad guy, but they really weren't the bad guy. And the other one was supposed to be the good guy, but they really weren't the good guy. And she had (laughs) stepped up and mediated i think she was about like 14 she wasn't very old mm-hmm. she'd stepped up between the two and mediated between the two major opposing forces in the game and because of that all of the other players had awarded her the crown and made her the new like reigning queen over the magical girl universe and at the end of the game she like came to me and she said thank you i feel feel really like I've I made a difference somehow in this and I've never felt that way before. And it was like very moving for me because I've never had anyone say that about anything that I have ever written. And I, I felt good that I had made this, you know, teenage girl feel like people had listened to her and that she had done something that made her feel empowered, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, that's gotta be a fantastic feeling. Because something you put into the world made a ripple, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's it's great to feel that. Yeah, I'm glad I gave her like you know a stage to have that moment for herself. And and maybe that's what writing the LARPs is all about: is giving people an opportunity to express a part of themselves that's not getting expressed. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had those moments as a player. I've been able to explore things as a player where I not necessarily had a chance to explore them as you know my normal in my normal everyday life and I think that's a major reason why we role play you know because we can explore stories that aren't our own and maybe learn something about ourselves and other people through that medium I mean that's the whole message of rolling for change is that our games say something about us uh, Mm -hmm. if we can just see through the mist that surrounds it you know, Brian, you were talking about how the game worked, and I was thinking there's probably a threshold. Like, you start out really nervous. You start out, like, uh, uncertain how you're going to handle a particular situation. And at some point, some kind of zen moment kicks in, and you just start being the character. I can imagine that happening. I don't know if I'm right. It's it's less of a zen moment and more of a um, slow progression of comfort building. Once you realize the people around you um, have all been there too. And frankly, most of us in this hobby are a little uncomfortable with ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And we tend to 
as I say, we smell our own. And um, people tend to, just like in regular role-playing situations, they don't tend to have the thing that you see a lot of times in video games where people say, freaking noob. We recognize the noob and we want to welcome them in because the more noobs we have, the more potential experienced players we have, mm-hmm. and the wider and richer the story. So it doesn't get factional then? It can. Um, I've seen LARPs get clickish the larger they get, but I've, I've also seen those clicks work really well together. I mean, there, there's occasionally, not going to lie, high drama that's not part of the story, <laughs> um, especially if people start dating in a LARP and then they're not, um, but they all still want to be in the LARP. Uh, I've, I've seen all kinds of things happen, just like they would happen in a regular, you know, game convention game group. But it's yeah. with people who are used to standing up and talking and being dramatic. And so the being dramatic thing sometimes comes naturally. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Well, but, I do remember playing Vampire the Masquerade. I, I did feel like there was a lot of faction things going on there. But, you know, that may also be part of the game. So it was really hard to see because it was hard for me to... I was, I was just in the middle of my uh, my bachelor's degree at the time. So I, I was very new to this whole idea. And uh, my memory of it was that there, there was kind of like a, it was a weird political feeling in that whole group that made me feel kind of like I am really out of place here. So I imagine that can happen pretty easily in some of these, depending on, you know, like, you know, a newbie, as you say, coming into a, an established LARP that's already got sort of its own mythology and you're kind of on the outside in... Uh, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe somebody needs to be a shepherd for that experience. I mean, you got to look at the the flavor of the LARP and understand what kind of story they're telling. In Vampire, it's a political it's a political role playing game. It is all about people trying to stab each other in the back. You're just shy of being in Roger Zelazny's Amber. Um, <laughs> as far as absolute backstabbing and self-involvement and all that that the characters are supposed to have and so you go into a vampire larp and you're like this is these people are really over dramatic like well look at the larp you're playing it's the it's the nature of the beast that's why they come here you go yeah. to a boffer larp you want to expect people who want to get physical and fight and do boffer stuff that's just the nature of the beast and if you're not a very physical person if you're really uncomfortable with sword fighting and being hit in the arm then that's probably not your scene. Yeah. You just have to look at the flavor of the LARP you're going to and have that fit your personality, just like, frankly, any other game. Uh, pretty much every game has its own community and its own uh, style. And usually what I suggest for people who are starting out LARPing and getting ready to go to a game is definitely get to know the players and get to know the game staff and ask them questions because they're going to be able to give you a better measure of what type of game it is than anything else. And if the game isn't the type of game you're looking for, then keep looking. Because you'll usually, at least especially in the Atlanta area, you will find something because we have so many games here. Yeah, we're really a mecca for uh, games in every format I can think of. 
it's amazing to me. Um, for anybody listening who doesn't live in Atlanta, come to Atlanta. You will find every game that you could want to play. <laughs> so you've made all these games. Uh, you, you gave us an example of one game that really touched somebody's life. Do you have other games that transform people to, that you know of, or have you seen things? I'm not entirely sure if they have been transformational for individuals particularly. Um, I have had people mention that um, they have, some of them have made them cry a lot, but. (laughs) What's that about? Well, um, some of the games that I write are intentionally meant to be particularly dramatic or particularly um, emotionally moving. Uh And sometimes, especially, and this is not just specifically for LARPing, but sometimes games are meant to be cathartic in that way or dramatic in that sort of way. Mm -hmm. And so I've written, especially among the short short LARP collections, um, I've written games like Your Arms Out of Water or like um, Your Ghost, which are supposed to invoke those sort of feelings. Because, you know, not all LARPs are necessarily meant to be silly and fun and not all of them are meant to be you know dramatic and backstabbing but especially among freeform games sometimes they're meant to be cathartic sometimes they're meant to be touching sometimes they're meant to be bonding and um especially among freeform larpers those the people that prefer freeform games to other types of games they tend to really like like the deep dramatic you know emotional i don't know how to put that exactly just like the gravitas and the you know hurt so good feelings that they yeah, gravitate they're, they're towards. looking for a really dramatic moment to express yeah. something that hasn't been expressed exactly so that's what they they like a lot of the time and so um i've had people choose those particular games out of my collections and then they go oh it was so good it was so dramatic it made me cry so much so I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of want to um, tell a story that has depth. Um, and that's it, it, um, what was the the game that we played at PAX Unplugged? It was uh, Dreamcatcher. Yeah, Peter Petrusha. Yeah, it was that same kind of thing where, where rather than standing up and doing it, we were essentially telling a story together. Yes. And it was a fairly deep involved story and a lot of people who the more freeform people are the more story related they are mm-hmm. which is why i love diceless role-playing games as well because it's all about the story yeah i need more of those <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty common with freeform games especially is it's very much about building a collaborative narrative that's generally what people are looking for when they're playing freeform LARPs is building a narrative between the players and then, you know, acting it out or building it as they are acting it out. Um, the one that I've gotten the most, I guess, mileage out of recently is um, Your Arms Out of Water, which is um, actually included in mixtape. Yeah. And that one is uh, about a, uh, a family who is going through a cycle where the, uh, the matriarch or I guess it doesn't have to be a matriarch. It's usually played as a matriarch okay. um, of the family as a Selkie and is facing the uh, possibility of having to return to the water after having you know, had their children and uh, is trying to decide you know, whether they should leave their, their partner and their children behind or never be able to ever return to the water again. And 
it's uh, it can be pretty intense. There's also the possibility of with that particular game of having it be a darker version. There's a darker version included in the text of it where um, they have to return to the water or they have to sacrifice someone of their family. And it's an optional choice to play it that dark. If you don't want to, you can play it the slightly more um, less heart-wrenching version of <laughs> you can make the choice whether to or not. So it depends on who wants to, how much, um, how intense and how much suffering you want. <laughs> Would you like some angst with your LARP? Exactly. <laughs> Like I but can that, see you go to the menu and you're like, okay, I'd like to add this part and this part. And if you could just put that for, together for me, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that over here. Could I have some of the angst on the side? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that one's uh, included in mixtape. And um, that one has uh, actually, all of the song, all of the songs, all of the games in mixtape were inspired by music in some way, shape or form. Um, some of them are inspired by specifically by songs, and Your Arms Out of Water is actually uh, based on a Decemberist song, which is uh, called Rosalka Rosalka, which is not a Selkie, but I came up with Selkies for some reason Okay. okay. <laughs> when I heard it. I'll have to go back and listen to that. Which album is that off of? That's off of the most recent one, or maybe the one right oh. before that. I think it's not the king is dead. It's the one right after that. It's um, what a terrible world. What a wonderful world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the first thing I thought of was one of my um, favorite, my favorite acapella bands um, that is now defunct, um, Pandora Celtica. And they did a song called Sister Selkie. And that's the first <laughs> thing I thought of. So we're all thinking of music. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's what got us here because... Um, Joy doesn't know this, but I also run a music podcast, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of music, and, and uh, I just watched High Fidelity recently, and, you know, he goes through that whole talk about what it is to make a mixtape and, and how important it is, and uh, my wife always turns to me and says, that's you, that's you right there. Um, <laughs> but so I, I see the word mixtape, and then I see these are all LARPs based on music, and I'm like, this exists? Uh, and uh, so that's, that's what got me really excited. And then I read Radio Karma, and I'm like, I'm hooked. This is this is <laughs> this is my kind of of larping. Yeah, um, there's two two versions of Radio Karma on mixtape. There's the the one that is normal, and there's the one if you want to take a road trip, you can play it in the car. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. just read that one today. And and you give such great prompts at the end of your game to kind of talk about the experience of it and. You know, as a therapist, my, my thought is, wow, these are really good therapeutic questions to ask about this experience, and they can lead to so much information from a client. If you can get a client involved in this experience, it's, it's almost like we're doing some kind of directed drama therapy, um, but it's being done as a game, which is the only difference is the purpose that we use it for, I think, because you can take this whole idea and put it into a, a situation where this can be meaningful if you can kind of help somebody else to express some part of themselves that's that's mm -hmm. hidden well especially since um especially in um, radio karma you have to come up with a collaborative reason between you and another person as to what your relationship is and then pick a different person and collaboratively come up together with what your relationship is and then you have to role play out that relate those relationships within the story so it's better than just, you know, 
I am a fighter and you are a rogue and we adventure together because treasure. <laughs> you have you have internal motive intrinsic motivations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, that that is uh that's certainly a difference here because this is certainly we're not talking about uh uh murder hobos as yeah. as uh, our friend <laughs> and, Luke puts it. And the interesting thing about making built-in relationships with characters, you have to start thinking that way. You can't, unlike a lot of role-playing games and LARPs, be an island unto yourself until you somehow develop some kind of story with someone, which, as far as LARPs go, could take months or years. In this kind of game, you really start off with those intrinsic connections to people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also because these are generally written to be shorter. You have such a short amount of time in which to develop your story. You want to have those connections up front because you want them to come to a head much sooner. So you want, if you, are, if you have these relationships going in when you're starting to play, you want to make sure that the action that's going to happen during the game, especially with something like Radio Karma, where it's set to the music that's playing, you want to make sure that it's, the connections that you have when the music plays and it acts as your signal of let's act on this relationship you want to have that set and you want it to come up and you want to be able to role play it out because if you don't it's not going to be an interesting game otherwise did you have an experience that made you think of radio karma um actually well it, it's a joke actually it's an inside joke that i have personal radio karma because okay. whenever I'm having something particularly um, impressive or interesting or dramatic happen in my life, if I happen to have like a radio playing or in, in like a shopping mall or like a grocery store, some sort of um, song will start playing that's dramatically appropriate to the situation. And it's been it's happened my entire life. It's been following me. So like my friends know this. And so like, I'll be in the middle of like, you know, having a, an intense conversation or an argument or um, something. And then a song that is absolutely appropriate to whatever is currently happening will start playing. And if I have people who are around me who know me really well, they'll start laughing. I would pay good money to see you come into a room, meaning business, ready for a come to God meeting and the Imperial March starts playing. <laughs> 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 that's uh there, there's a guy named cassidy he was good friends with uh uh he's nil cassidy he was good friends with jack kerouac and they said that he had radio i ching so he he could turn the radio into anything and it would always kind of be appropriate to whatever was going on at the time so you have <laughs> a similar condition um for me i think uh i have a similar condition but nobody ever like makes the connection that that i'm making but for me, the music is like, oh, my God, the music is really speaking to me about this moment. Um, <laughs> I would not call that a condition. I would call that a superpower. Sure, <laughs> sure. I, I, I don't know where condition came from. It's not like something that we're trying to get rid of. Like, I need to have a karmaectomy or something. I mean, unless you're trying to hide your true feelings or intentions, and then the Imperial March comes on, and you're like, well, there it goes. <laughs> Everybody like you're knows to, now. You're going to dump somebody and and the song all by myself starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, you're going to dump me, aren't you? 
no, wh- why would you think that? I also think everybody has has had that feeling where they've had, you know, they're thinking about something or they're feeling something really intensely and then they turn on a radio or something similar and they hear a song and it feels so dramatically appropriate or intensely, you know, exactly how they're feeling. And I wanted to try to capture that. Yeah. And, you know, especially, you know, it's something like a party where you know where sometimes if you're a drinker you've been drinking and so it definitely feels so much more you know in that moment that this is the music is speaking to you you know it's sending you a message Mm -hmm. so i tried to set out writing that particular game to capture that feeling and then people going yeah the music's speaking to me it's sending me a message i need to act on these feelings and then using those musical cues as actual mechanics in the larp to kind of tell their their character hey this is when you should do this thing the specific thing that your character has been trying to do the whole game the music is telling you to do it right now and depending on the flavor of the song if you if you haven't picked one but you know what you want to do depending on the flavor of the song you can either be doing it in a calm and measured way or not <laughs> <laughs> Which I imagine is a big, big part of, of, of a LARP is, is getting to be a little more dramatic when you wouldn't normally get to be more dramatic. Exactly. So you've been working on LARPs, and I know that uh, maybe in your future you're, you're focusing into a actual role-playing game as opposed to a LARP. You, you said there was maybe a difference going to happen there. Um, I'm working on a couple of different tabletop games. I'm going to continue writing LARPs because I've been doing it my whole, well, I don't want to say my whole life, but at least 30 years, no, 20 years at this point. I'm not quite that old. About 20 years at this point. But I'm also working on um, a couple of different tabletop role-playing games, and I should have one of them out in a couple of months. Um, but I have three in development right now, and that was mostly just because I had been I've been working on writing LARP systems for a long time, and I finally went, well, if I can write LARP systems, why can't I write tabletop systems? There's not too much of a difference, really, when it comes to system writing. Yeah. And it it was funny because when I started working in um, tabletop role-playing, there's such an interesting difference between, like, what, how the, how tabletop developers and how LARP developers work, because when you're writing LARPs, you're expected to basically come up with the system and the world and kind of like everything whole cloth. But when you're a tabletop developer, it's separate kind of like you're either a systems developer or you're a world developer or you're a, you know, someone who writes safety systems. It's, it's very piecemeal. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny when I was like, you know, I, I started working on tabletop games and they're like, oh, well, what, what do you do? And I would say, oh, I'm a developer. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, so you develop worlds. And I'd be like, yep. And then I was like, oh, and I'm writing the system. And they're like, oh, you write systems. Well, that means you're a system developer. I'm like, well, no, I'm both. <laughs> and it was just, it was very funny because it was such a different experience where, you know, being a LARP writer, you're expected to do all of this. Whereas it's very different in the tabletop world where you're not expected to do everything. You're, you're only expected to kind of mostly concentrate on one thing at a time. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, tabletop RPGs are expected to be a little more crunchy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're expected to be a little more 
I don't know, not developed, but um, there's a lot, a lot less margin for error because you have to come up with a full system that you can't alter and alter on the fly. And with a lot of LARPs, you can really kind of fudge things around a little bit depending on your the needs of the moment. And RPGs, while you can do that, people really expect every I to be dotted and T to be crossed. And it's kind of annoying sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it really depends on the system that you're right. developing. Like, indie RPGs and story games are a lot more flexible. Like, if you're doing... Say. Huh? Yeah, what that's what say? I was going to say, is that, that indie is uh, a whole different... Like, it sounds like we're talking the difference between, uh, like, mainstream RPGs, which are, yes, they're really crunchy, they're really uh, boundary-oriented. And when I see some of these indie RPGs come up, it, people are, I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's not such a piecemeal thing going on in those situations. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is their mentality. People who ask yeah. you those questions, that's their mentality is, well, of course, it's a tabletop RPG. There's more crunch to it. And you're like, well, not really with what I'm thinking. Right. I'm thinking more <laughs> of an indie game. They're like, but, but don't you need 5, 10, 15 different people on the project? No, not for no, what I'm not thinking. Really. Not really. <laughs> not, not really. Most and most indie companies are like you know, three people in a cardboard box. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cardboard box. You were lucky. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had a Monty Python moment. My bad. <laughs> Nothing bad but, about yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm only using um, one of the three games that I'm writing right now for for indie RPGs. I'm using. Um, Powered by the Apocalypse, which is not a system I wrote, so I don't have to worry about it. And then the other two, one's a diceless system, and the other uses tarot cards as their resolution system. So, you know, it's I wrote those two systems, and they weren't that. You know, I don't need tables. I don't need you know stat pools or anything like that. They're yeah. very fairly simple. It's just funny because people are like, "Oh, you wrote the rule system for this?" I'm like, "Yes," and you wrote the world, yes. <laughs> Are you Superwoman? <laughs> I know it's so weird. <laughs> and like yes. it's normal, it's normal for LARPers to do it when you're writing a LARP system. Yeah, LARPers do it alone, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't make any sense at all. Actually, LARPers started alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean they actually have. I I know people who have written um, LARPs for one person. Okay, which I know. <laughs> that sounds really difficult, doesn't it, when you think about it for one person? But yeah, um, yeah, uh, uh, Bo Sheldon has a, a collection of LARPs, and I think one or two of them in there is for one person. They involve using a, a camera to take selfies. Interesting. Huh. I, 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 now I want to know more. <laughs> so this is completely on my own. I, nobody to be embarrassed about when it's just being by myself. Probably. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> there are quite too many people in my head for me to say that I wouldn't be embarrassed by something I said to myself by myself. Do you know how often I look deep inside myself and think, did you really just say that? And I'm in the room by myself. I'll give you an example, just because it's funny. Okay. Um, yesterday, I, I, was, I was out from school sick on Tuesday. So I go back to school on Wednesday, all day long, I 
for some reason got it in my head it was Thursday because I was still a little out of it yesterday. Yeah. But I wrote on the board Tuesday and Tuesday's date. So I write Tuesday in the date, but I keep thinking it's Thursday, but it's actually Wednesday. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, I'm in the room by myself and I look up at the board and I've already berated myself for thinking it was Thursday all day. Then I look up at the board and think, wow, you really are super special today. Wow. <laughs> you need to go home, man. <laughs> Get some more rest. Yeah. There are definitely some moments, at least in, in my experience, where I something so dark comes across my mind. And I'm like, holy crap, did you just really think that? Where did that come from? What, who are you? Oh, all the time. And then in the back of my head, I hear. <laughs> right. The shadow self stands forward. Well, geez, I, there's just, uh, I just said, geez, I found like, I said, <laughs> like, like the beaver, geez, this is fun. Um, <laughs> At least you didn't follow with Louise. Jeez, Louise. No, I, I've never done that. I, that's, that's, that's beyond me. Um, <laughs> maybe in a LARP sometime. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, out of all the games you've created, Joy, which one are you the most proud of right now? Hmm. That's really hard. I know. Let me see. I like putting people on the spot. <laughs> or perhaps which which one have you had the most fun with? And that's a good that's a good question too. So that's that's actually two different questions because the one <laughs> I'm proudest of is not the one that I've had the most fun with. That's fair. Um the one that I've had the most fun with is um probably Dead Reckoning which is um, it's a game about ghost roommates having their monthly haunt meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, probably that one I've had the most fun with partially because it is nothing but bad puns. Okay. Oh, I have and, found my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just the concept of it is ridiculous and funny. And I like, like I said, I've, I've written games that are really like emotionally like gripping, but I also like writing games that are really silly sometimes because uh, there's also a joy to role playing. And it's, I like being able to have like those games that are just moments of levity and ridiculousness. And, you know, you don't lose that you know, the fun in role playing, you don't lose that, you know, sense of wonder and that sense of silliness that you can, you know, dive into. And I think that uh, the, the things like Dead Reckoning and some of the other silly games that I've written, like embrace that wholeheartedly. And Dead Reckoning is so over the top with it. And that's probably why it's the one I have the most fun with, because it's it, just the writing, the text on it is full of terrible puns. Um, the the ghost characters that people can play have to pick like a particular issue they're bringing up at the haunt meeting which is um based on like a list of different things like this person keeps possessing their neighbors so you know you need to talk to them about it because they're going to give away that the haunted house is a haunted house or this person keeps making the walls bleed and it's really unsanitary you know stuff like that <laughs> um so that's the one i've had the most fun with the one that um, I'm actually most proud of is Wake, which is um, one that a lot of people haven't bought, but probably because it seems very uh, maybe depressing on the surface. And that okay. one is because 
Um, it's a game about a group of people getting together to have a wake for someone who has died. And the process of the game is it's set as a round of toasts. So the people that are playing it get together, they create their characters, and then they basically create the person who has died. And during the course of the toasts, they basically say a couple of things that are true about the deceased individual and then something that they remember that is good about them and then something that they remember is bad about them and they collaboratively build this person that has died and i created that game um when um, i was actually going through something that brought me very close to my own mortality and i kept thinking about like you know well if i do pass away i don't want and i had been to a lot of funerals yeah. Also, at that point, I don't want people to forget, you know, who I was as a person. I don't want them to create this fiction when I go to, you know, when I've died and they're holding a funeral for me. I don't want them to say all of these good things about me and then completely ignore who I actually was. Because that kept happening to, at the funerals I went to. They would say all of these things about the deceased person and sometimes they weren't true. Oh, and okay. I kept thinking, I don't want this to happen to me if I die. I don't want them to hold a funeral and then lie about me. And I wanted to kind of get across that, you know, this person that the people in the game were collectively creating might have not had 100% good points, but they were still somebody they loved. Yeah. And by having them create this collaborative building of this person and still toasting them, they could still remember them as who they were and I've only had a couple of people play this with me and every time I've had them play it with me it's been very I guess cathartic and kind of bonding for all of them who have mm -hmm. played it with me and that's why I'm really proud of this game because it got across the that feeling that I was trying to get across that like you know maybe these people are not perfect but you still love them in spite of it and you still remember them as who they are Right, so instead of just saying all the good things, you know, here lies Joy, she kicked a kitten. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the truth of the matter, and <laughs> just walk off. I, I like that. That's amazing. Um, and, and it sounds like it's been really meaningful for you in, in like, being able to play that game and, and see that maybe this could be done in a way that's authentic to you. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I just I just want to buy all your games now, um, <laughs> and play all your games. I don't want to just buy them. I want to play them. Um, well, well I just bought two. I just bought those last two. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So you're gonna run them, Brian? Right? You're gonna run them for us. Why not? Absolutely. All right. Um. Well, I I know that we didn't talk about it yet, and I do want to make sure that we we point out that you have a podcast that you run. I do, yes. That's the Glitter Dice? Is that glitter right? Glitter Dice, yes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that so people mm -hmm. can go and listen to you talk elsewhere? <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a monthly podcast. Um, it's for women in gaming, and I host it with my co-host Linda and Kelly. Um, we also occasionally do actual plays, like every two to three months. Okay. Um, and we focus mainly on um, women in marginalized genders, so occasionally we'll have um, non-binary people who also um, are on the show with us or whose games are on the show as well. So uh, I think we're entering our third year now, or actually we may have 
ended our third year. Oh God, it's been a while. Wow. <laughs> so you've been going for a while. You've, you've, you've uh, I guess you've got quite a few podcasts under the belt at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you primarily focus on, uh, it, it sounds like it's, it's a very much, uh, about empowerment of women and non-binary people. Um, well, when I started the podcast, I was trying to find, um, something that was about gaming that was, uh, specifically women focused. And I couldn't find anything that didn't have, that was a show that didn't just have a single woman as opposed to, you know, was a group of women talking about gaming. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to make my own is basically what happened. And there's quite a few more now than there were when we started. Like I said, it's a couple of years old. Yeah. Um, And basically our format is we pick um, a topic off of a list of topics and we roll a 20-sided die and let the die choose off the list. (laughs) So... We don't necessarily prepare exactly, but we know what's on the list, so we're always kind of semi-prepared. Okay. But a lot of the first part of the the podcast is off the cuff, and then we um, tell everybody what we've been playing that particular month, and then we do an off-topic topic that's on a timer at the end of every episode for 10 minutes. We set the timer, and we talk until the timer goes off, and then we have to stop. <laughs> that's awesome. As, as someone who, who tries to prep for everything that he does... The idea of uh, the free form of rolling a die—I mean, it works perfect for you. You're you're spontaneously doing improv on a regular basis, um, <laughs> but that's still that that's a little bit freeing, um, a, as long as you can generate enough uh, information in that moment to to get people's attention. But I I'm gonna go listen and see what I think. That's that's awesome. It seems to have worked pretty well so far. Um, we enjoy doing the show. It's a lot of fun. Um, occasionally we'll have other guests on and we mainly started doing the actual play episodes as um because we had a couple of people um ask us to do the actual play for fiasco which was our very very first one Uh and uh that was because um somebody had asked us to do it as a charity benefit thing and at the time we were actually not able to do it what we had wanted to so we were like, well, we can't do it when you asked us to, but we'll do one anyway just because you asked so nicely. And we enjoyed doing that one so much, we just started adding them every couple of weeks. So we've got, like, um, there should be an episode of Bluebeard's Bride, an actual play, coming out fairly soon. But um, I'm not entirely sure when that one's going to be up because that one was a beast to edit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know I understand uh, editing beasts. Yeah, I was about to say, we wouldn't know anything about that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Man, sometimes. All right. Well, Brian, was there anything you wanted to ask? I've kind of dominated the question-asking portion of things. No, no, I know my place. Well, in general, I don't really even know how to toss the question back to you. No, no, no. I'm, I'm more than capable of jumping in whenever I need to. I have no shame. Um, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So, um, yeah, I, um, I'm one of those people who's, um, very nonchalant about death in general, um, having been around it so much in my life. Um, if you've ever seen a, uh, a YouTube channel called ask a mortician, that's one of, Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite channels. Um, 
I just love watching her talk and everything. So the idea of wake, I'm sitting here thinking my original plan was when I die, I want my body scattered across Disney world. And number two, <laughs> and number two, I don't want to, and number two, I don't want to be cremated. <laughs> so I'm thinking new, por new portion of my living will. When I die, everyone has to play a game of wake at my funeral. <laughs> oh wow okay and what he's like oh and suddenly i hope i go before brian oh my god <laughs> uh yeah sure that's uh okay you gotta have goals man you gotta have goals oh but yeah you were you were saying it's not that often people play it because it's really touchy a really touchy subject um you, you can ask Woody. We play games with very touchy sh subjects more often than the average player, I'd say. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. probably so, true, yes. So I'm 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 thinking Wake is gonna happen. That's one of them that I just picked up. And the um God, I'm trying to remember the name of the other one that you were saying. Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning yeah, yeah, I just yeah. picked I just picked that one up too, and I can't wait to try that one out. Okay, awesome. And I'm looking forward to trying everything in the mixtape. <laughs> one thing at a time, Woody. One thing at a time. There's a lot of stuff to unpack in there. There is far too much <laughs> to do and far too little time to do it all in, Brian. It's it's crazy. Dude, I keep telling you, win the lottery, become independently wealthy, and we'll play all the things. <laughs> there we go. That's the trick. Well, Joy, thank you so much for talking with us. I, it's been a very exciting talk. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you in case they want to go in search of Joy Martin? Um, actually, uh, my studio, Drowning Moon Studios, has its own website. So you can go to drowningmoonstudios.com and you can pretty much find everything. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's a great website. You've got uh, links to a lot of great places and you can get all of your stuff I think all of your all of your LARPs are available through this website, right? By going through they dive are. through RPG or, or whatever. Yep, they're they're available on the website, and uh, there's a link also to my drive through RPG and to my itch page on it. Excellent. All right. I will well, say I've learned to, a lot. I will say to give you a little bit more of an ego boost. Uh, if our listeners know that I'm fairly rarely on our interview shows. I want to a lot of the time, but they usually happen during the week and I'm a teacher. So, mm -hmm. but this one I told Woody, oh no, I'm going to be here for this one. I, <laughs> I busted my butt to get here. So bravo. <laughs> Thank you. I'm yes. very flattered. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I hope we talk to you again soon and uh, I, I will, uh, I will continue to tell the listeners what happens in our own our own attempts at LARPing because I know it's going to come now. It's, it's, it's in the trees. It's coming. Um, I guess that's everything. Uh, th thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, keep on rolling for change. We'll see you next time. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep those dice a-rolling. <laughs> Except there are no dice. That's kind of weird. Well, I, th I think, yeah, there was one that was with dice. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Keep on rolling for change. There you go. Thanks so much for listening to Rolling for Change, a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. If you love our show, then let us know. There are all sorts of ways that you can raise your geek flag, place your meeple, and roll for change. 
Our email is gamers at rollingforchange.com. We tweet at at rollforchange. And if you want to just chat with us or join the amazing Geek Therapy tribe, stop by geektherapy forward slash discord. And of course, you can post your thoughts about this and other episodes at the forums on the Geek Therapy website. One more thing. Our theme music is a song called Galileo, and it was written by rocket scientists. If you'd like keyboard-driven progressive rock, then go now to bandcamp.com and buy all the stuff. You won't regret it. It'll make a great soundtrack for your next game night as you keep on rolling for change. Thank you.